0: This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora, I'm Ian Turner. Welcome to Garden of Sound, sponsored by The Nephilist. Alcohol-free drinks that stir you. Today's guest is Chris William. Probably best known up to this point as a bassist with groups like the Goldonis, playing for other artists and teaching music to pay the bills. It's only in the last few years that Chris has literally found his voice and started producing his own material, which is excellent by the way. Drawing on his jazz school education, a love of production and many years performing with a diverse number of groups, Chris is set to release a new EP, Light Shines Above, and tour that release around the country. But Will Chris's talent alone be enough to get him those bigger and better gigs? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Chris William on Planes FM 96.9. Chris, can you tell me about your first memory of music?
1: Yeah, so the first memory that sticks out is, well it's not one particular moment, but Playing piano, like having piano lessons. Um, me and my sisters had to learn the piano from a young age. You, the Suzuki method—I don't know if you've heard of it. It's sort of a philosophy where you get the kids started young, and you sort of teach the music like a language. And so you don't introduce reading music until much later on. And there's a focus on on listening. Like you have these cassette tapes back in the day. I'm sure they've updated now. Where you'd have to listen to the tracks over and over again to learn the sound. And then you'd sort of rote learn each bar phrase by phrase. Uh, and it was quite a community focused thing. So we'd have workshops and summer camps and concerts, pretty regular concerts to get young kids used to performing and make that a natural thing. So I started that when I was four. But anyway, the memory that sticks out is just like crying uh, at the piano because we had to we had to practice every morning before school with our mum. She'd like dictate the practices, I guess. And so... Looking back, man, what patience. She'd be like, no, that was wrong, or no, do that part again, over and over. I think we had maybe 20 minutes each before school, so that's one hour of her time. And yeah, I just remember hating it at the time, (laughs) and so that's the memory.
0: So your mum was the musician in the house?
1: Yeah, both my parents were musical, but mum was probably, she took charge with music a bit more, yeah.
0: And what was your dad's sort of music style or likings?
1: Back in the day before we were born, they had a bluegrass band called the Plucking Peasants, which is just too good to make up. And there are some photos around. I think there's a photo somewhere of actually me in a backpack on my dad's bat while he played the double bass in that band. Um, so they've got a
0: sense of humor.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if it was, if it was supposed to be humorous or not.
0: Why do you think your mum was so intent on getting you and your sister, sisters to, uh, yep. Sisters yep, sisters. Yep. to play, to play every morning? That seems fairly intense.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that is the Suzuki model. So, I don't know exactly why she gravitated to that model of learning, but I guess that she saw the value in young kids learning music and thought it was something important and thought it was something worth devoting a whole lot of time and effort to.
0: What's your first memory or when do you remember um, discovering modern artists or let's let's say pop music perhaps?
1: I think I saved up and bought, bought a mini system from the buy-selling exchange. I think 50 bucks, I remember it. I don't know how old I was, probably maybe like 10 or 12 or something like that. And it was just the the classic thing of having a cassette tape and getting ready to press record to your favourite songs on the radio.
0: So we're talking early 2000s at, at yeah, this point. Y-
1: yeah, I'd say about two thousand something so, like that. So
0: you didn't have a vast CD collection at this stage?
1: No, my parents had some CDs. I mean, I didn't have any myself. Um, I have a vague memory of Dad playing the Abbey Road vinyl sometimes growing up. I think uh, my first CD was a Hanson CD. It's insane when you look at the videos now how young they are and how good they are for that age. Did
0: you study music uh, at school outside of the Suzuki?
1: Yeah, in high school I took took, uh, music as a subject, starting off on piano. But Then my interests sort of changed quite a lot. So I think it was piano the first year or two that I used for my practical side of things. And then after that drumming I was more interested in, so drums. Then I kind of dabbled in guitar a little bit. And then it wasn't until year 13 that I discovered the bass, which is now my main instrument.
0: So do you think all of those morning sessions paid off because of your, I guess, extreme musicality?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I think it's something that I didn't really value at the time. You know, it's just the classic that you don't know any different, so you just do it. But I think looking back, it was definitely pretty formative.
0: Did you do Rockwest?
1: Yeah, I did Rockwest once in year 13. So I literally played the bass for like three months or something at that point. Some friends were, were jamming and they said, oh, we need a bass player. And then I was like, oh, okay. Well, I can kind of at least possibly play a tiny bit of guitar. So how hard can it be? So four <laughs> strings. Basically, that was it.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you remember the name of that band?
1: Yeah, it was called The Producers. I think there's one video on YouTube That's somewhere. That's pretty good. We actually got hate online because because it turned out that there was, a, there was a band from, I don't know, the 60s or 70s called The Producers that were you know, pretty big.
0: Well, of course the musical and the movie by Mel Brooks as well. Yeah. And that
1: too. And so we got some disgruntled fans of theirs commenting on our videos. I remember one comment in particular was something like, how dare you call yourself the producers? You're not even fit to hold their guitar cases.
0: Okay. (laughs) So uh, receiving criticism at an early age, I, I guess you would have taken it on the chin, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I th- I'd like to think so but the fact that I can also remember the like pretty much the specific words it must have made some sort of impact
0: was it always music any other uh, subjects at school you seem like quite a clued up fellow
1: English and computers were my were my other big subjects it was kind of those three things like music English and computers like when I was in high school I was wasn't kind of until the end of high school that music sort of took over as my main interest so I was just always tinkering out around on computers and playing games and stuff and so it's kind of funny now that my I guess my main passion is like songwriting and producing music because it's like computers, English and music. So it's sort of those three things all intertwined.
0: It was written in the stars. <laughs> something like that. Um, post high school, uh, was there a decision, conscious decision? Yep, going to do music. This is it for me forever.
1: Yeah, so my original plan was I wanted to get into sound engineering. I think maybe that was something my parents just saw as an option so they kind of put that idea in my head. Um, Why
0: engineering as opposed to being a on stage performer?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was the it was the whole computer background thing, like being really like my family have always been very tech savvy and they were they were Mac devotees far before Macs were big, which I always hated because you couldn't get any games on them. Um but yeah, I guess maybe it was just coming from that background more at that stage that it seemed like a bit of fit maybe. I don't know. So I applied for Mains Way too late and the class was full and I said, like, oh, what am we going to do now? I have no idea. And then mum somehow managed to suss me um, an audition for jazz store at the last possible moment. I think only because they were lacking in bass players did I even get a shot. So I had the audition straight through and then they said, all right, you're starting on Monday. And this was, I don't know, Thursday or Friday or something. So there was kind of no time to think about it, just dove straight into it.
0: What course or what stream did you... Did you go into? they have streams back then? or Was it yeah, just all jazz?
1: Actually, my year was the first year that they introduced a contemporary program as well. But I did the jazz program.
0: How did you view those contemporary folks? I know it's your first year, but was it? Did the jazz folks look at them with disdain, saying <laughs> they're not real musicians?
1: I think it was definitely people stuck to their own their own classes and, and who they knew. Like definitely people were friends, but I feel like there was <laughs> there was kind us. of yeah a lot of a yeah just kind of ridiculous looking back but
0: i don't know if you have any contact with the the alumni at least do you feel that might still exist or do you feel there's a bit more of an intermingling these days
1: yeah i have no idea how that how that's gone actually but i do know that i think the the pop stream or the contemporary stream has gotten bigger every year and i think the jazz stream has started to get smaller okay. so yeah it's probably more contemporary now than there is jazz
0: putting words in your mouth would you say that's a loss to you know the Christchurch jazz community or New Zealand as a whole
1: yeah, I think the jazz school is really important for for jazz musicians. Like that's mm. definitely but the music, best way to go about it. Music
0: as a whole though, surely, you know, having that diversity of oh, yeah. of I mean, education.
1: I, yeah, I think that the more education the better. You know, like if, if that's what people are keen for, then I think music education is so valuable.
0: So would you say jazz has stood you in good stead for other other genres?
1: I don't think everything correlates. Hmm. But I think definitely just maybe in attention to detail and really learning to listen and paying attention, I think has helped in all kinds of music.
0: It is time for some music. Um, At this point, I normally ask for sort of influences and it's been fairly diverse uh, from Hanson and there's a little bit of (laughs) Beatles in there and obviously whatever you were learning through uh, Suzuki. Any artists that sort of stand out for you that may have influenced um, Chris Williams' style?
1: yeah definitely. in the last few years um actually in 2013, I think it was I discovered James Blake, a friend of mine, just posted a video of, of a live concert of his, and I watched it and I was just totally blown away and it was a really formative moment, I think, because that was the moment i that was I, I just finished studying music, and I guess I felt a bit um, directionless or lost with with what I wanted to do, and then suddenly it was just like, man, I want to do something in that sort of vein, like I want to do something that hits people emotionally rather than sort of just the intellectual side, which I think um, when you're studying music and jazz, it can, it can be that way.
0: You haven't spoken much about singing.
1: Watching James Blake's live concert was what made me want to sing. Like I had, I'd sung a little bit prior to that, but just nothing serious. But it was that moment that I was like, that's it. I want to start to sing. I want to take this seriously and I want to write songs.
0: So how long have you been singing now?
1: Uh, Properly. Yeah, I guess like six years or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So there's him. He's definitely, I think, the number one influence who kind of started the whole ball rolling for me. Uh, And then there's Sufian Stevens who I just got really, really into an album of his called Carrie and Lowell which probably came out maybe four years ago or something like that. And that was very influential on me. Just the songwriting, the way that he crafts the melodies and the lyrics, how everything feels like that's the only way it could have ever gone. That sort of craftsmanship, I guess. And then another one is Moses Sumney, who I think it's mainly his voice and the soundscapes that he chooses. It's just very ethereal and he sings a lot in falsetto, very high. So that kind of encouraged me to try and sing a bit higher as well and try and get some of that same feeling. Um, Yep, so those are three that stick out at the t- top of my head.
0: So a track from one of those artists?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll play you the Moses Sumney track, Don't Bother Calling, off his album A Don't bother calling, I'll call you Don't
2: bother calling, I'll call you
0: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Chris William on Planes FM 96.9. Amazing track from Moses Sumney. Thank you very much for introducing me to him. Oh, no worries. Wonderful. Um, Let's talk about gigs. What's the first big gig you got along to that you remember?
1: The first one I remember was, I think it was in about 2004 or something. It was Edge Fest, so run by the Edge radio station. So
0: many people have been to this. Was it sponsored by KFC or something like that?
1: <laughs> I think it actually was later on. Yeah. I don't think at this point it was. There are other chicken providers available, by the, by the way. <laughs> but it's hilarious because I remember, the only thing I remember about it was it was so loud. I was just in shock at how loud it was. <clears throat> and I was literally covering my ears. I had a hoodie <laughs> over my ears and I was trying to shut out the noise. And I'm pretty sure I left. Probably a third of the way through because mm. I just couldn't stand how loud it was. So
0: uh, what were the artists who, were, who was performing?
1: Yeah, so I actually looked it up online because I couldn't remember. And I think it was She Had, Alien Ant Farm, Yellow Card, P, The Feelers, Scribe, Blindspot, Zed, Shafu mr in stereogram which is a that's tot- an that's amazing a totally, lineup, that's a totally insane lineup I, I can't believe all those bands I would be so From keen for that now
0: very heavy to very pacific yeah going so on there.
1: so it's such a shame that um that what, at that moment I was just I couldn't stand the volume of it
0: I imagine um uh, it would have been she had perhaps blind spot that would have contributed did you actually get to see she had
1: I don't remember. Probably not. I can yeah. imagine they'd probably be on near the end. Okay, <laughs> so what was would have left.
0: what was the first big concert that you enjoyed and you stayed the whole way through? Something you loved.
1: One that stands out was, I went with my dad to the Roger Waters concert, probably mid two thousands. Uh, it was what was the name of the tour? Maybe The Wall or oh, Pulse. I don't know. It was just sort of a mm-hmm. Roger Waters Greatest Hits type thing. Yeah, and they played the whole Dark Side of the Moon album, and full surround sounds, so there were sounds coming from everywhere. And it was incredible. I I loved it. They had the full inflatable pigs from the from the animals tour.
0: Have you taken any of that? Maybe not the inflatable pigs, (laughs) but has that become sort of part of what you want to do on stage? I guess theatricality. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's. I think it's just definitely a case of um, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. Mm -hmm. Because when I started, I think I was kind of like a possum in the headlights, because I was pretty comfortable just as a bass player, Mm -hmm. but I was very uncomfortable with singing and actually leading my own band and playing my own music on stage. So that's just been something that, yeah, I guess each time I perform, I try and be a little bit more open or like push the boundary in some way, push my own comfort zone, I think.
0: What about costumes?
1: (laughs) No, nothing too theatrical, I'd say. I just keep it. Pretty, Not, com- pretty comfortable.
0: Now, you have played with the Goldoni's yep. and uh, some of the attire there. We've got the dark trousers and the and the red jackets. You know, that's sort of like heading some way to, uh, I guess, putting on a bit of a show.
1: Yeah, well, that band was straight out of the theatre, straight out of the court theatre. We mm-hmm. were literally put together as the house band for a, for a musical show.
0: What uh, musicals have you played?
1: Um, so I've played that one, which was One Man, Two Governors. Earlier, oh, like last year... I played in We Will Rock You, the mm-hmm. Queen show, which was so oh, fun. Oh, fantastic. The most fun show that I've played. Are that you a great. Queen fan? I mean, not like a diehard fan. I only really knew before I played the musical. only really knew their hits. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I liked what I heard.
0: And what about the work of John Deacon? I mean, is, has he got something to sort of say? Uh, I have say? to say
1: I'm, I'm very ignorant. I, yeah. don't, I don't even know. Okay. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Well, there you go. Well, you were playing him during the show, really. Yeah. So, um, so I, you were playing bass, weren't you? I was. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Oh, the oh, bass. He's the bass player. Oh,
1: player. Okay. Oh, awkward moment. Oh. Whoops. Ava, hey, that's all right. Better yeah. go and do some YouTube homework.
0: I know. That's that's good. And see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yes. Um, tremendous uh, diversity of performing uh, experience through a great number of groups. Uh, from the music theatre stuff and the Goldonies to playing with acts like the Swan Sisters and the Maria Grinnell. Yeah. Um, uh, have you had any moments where you sort of felt out of your depth or I don't want to be here doing this?
1: <laughs> Definitely out of depth moments. Um, we have had bottles thrown at us once. Really? <laughs> Why <What that> was <laughs> that? <laughs> it was once at the Dutch Live, and there was just an incredibly rowdy crowd, a giant fight broke out. And a bunch of people ended up getting taken away by the police. But um but before it turned into full pandemonium, someone just threw a bottle or two up on stage at us while we played.
0: They weren't producers' fans by any chance.
1: <laughs> no. Oh <laughs> no. Maybe they were, who knows?
0: Something. But you managed to cope with it. Yeah. Do you feel like it's the the education perhaps that you received at, at Jazz School being able to cope with, you know?
1: <laughs> I don't think I don't think jazz school prepares you for that. <laughs> I I don't think I don't know if any sort of training could maybe self defense classes.
0: Have you played Ducks live uh, since then?
1: Yeah, I played there a few times. Yeah, um thankfully no more bottle throwing incidents.
0: Christchurch in its current state, where is your favorite place Ooh, to play?
1: I think it sort of depends on the style of music. Mm-hmm. Um like The Wonderbar can be super nice. Oh, actually I played a really nice concert at Upstairs at Vesuvio They like, it's sort of like a they don't normally have music up there but Gina Johns organizes um, or she did organize events called the Folk Chronicles. We should have three people performing either acoustic, fully acoustic or pretty much um, to a very small audience. And so I went to a couple of those and they were great. But um, a band that I play in called St. Martin's, which is me, Ryan Fisherman and Monique Aiken played a couple of concerts there. Um, and it was beautiful, Like just very intimate um, felt really connected to the audience. No distractions. Yeah, that was really nice.
0: Is music paying the bills?
1: Music teaching is paying the bills. Uh Yeah, so during the week I'm an itinerant teacher at a few schools and I have a few private students doing a mixture of bass, guitar and then music production as well.
0: So why are you involved with so many different (laughs) groups and combinations and iterations of, I guess, a limited number of musicians?
1: Well, I'm a bass player and bass players and drummers just get asked to play. And so I've just had heaps of opportunities. I've been really lucky. I think Christchurch and maybe New Zealand in general is a really ideal size that it's, you know, it's big enough that there's a decent amount of different music projects happening, but then it's small enough that the pool of musicians isn't that big, really. And so I've just been really privileged to be able to play in all sorts of things, completely diverse things. Purely because there was no one else. <laughs>
0: John Deacon aside, uh, have you got bass idols?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Pino Palladino is, is my hero. Mm-hmm. He's just, yeah, in my view, the ultimate pocket groove bass player. And also the work that he's done with such a diverse range of the, the planet's greatest musicians is super inspiring. Tal Wilkenfeld, I love her work. Um, she played... Again, with basically everyone. She was from Australia. She moved to the States when she was maybe, I don't know, 18, 19, and was suddenly playing with the likes of Herbie Hancock and Jeff Beck and um, I can't even remember who else, but basically every, Op Prince, just all sorts. Um, and yeah, she's another incredible one. Derek Hodge is, is another favourite. Um, he plays in a lot of kind of soul, hip-hop, kind of bands and also releases his own music. So he's quite inspiring in, in that way. Uh, I quite like Thundercat again. He's a bassist who kind of writes his own music and sort of leads a band from the bass and he plays very, um, non-traditionally. He plays a six string giant hollow body bass, plays all sorts of chords and shreds like no one else. Um, And so he's been quite inspiring to me as well.
0: It took you a little while to get to the bass. If you could do it again, uh, would you get there
1: sooner? I think the bass found me. I found the bass. I don't know. (laughs) Um, No, I don't think I'd change how it happened because I feel like I I got a good grounding in lots of different instruments and then eventually came to the bass with a different perspective, maybe a more well-rounded perspective. Mm -hmm. And I still play a fair amount of piano and the other instruments. Um,
0: Again, looking back and not changing anything, but what would you say uh, to young Chris to send him on his way into the musical world?
1: I think I'd say start singing and start writing with with your voice. Because earlier on I did write, I wrote a little bit for the bands that I was in. I wrote a couple of songs and I wrote a lot of instrumental music through my time at jazz school and stuff. But now that I'm so passionate about writing songs and singing, I'm like, come on, do it sooner.
0: Okay, it's time for some music. Um, Have we got a favourite track or an artist that we can listen to?
1: Yeah, so a song that stood out for me for the past few years, I can't remember when I first heard it—is it's called Love and it's by John Lennon. And it's off his first solo album, Plastic Ono Band, shortly after the Beatles broke up. And it's a pretty raw, very, very minimal stripped back album. And I just love the, the beautiful simplicity of it.
3: touch is love
0: This is the Garden Sound interview with Chris William on Plains FM 96.9. That was Love.
1: Yep, by John Lennon. By
0: John Lennon. And the plastic. Oh No Band. Oh No Band. Yep, that album. Yep. An education, absolutely. Getting into the recorded medium, you've just, or you are very soon about to release an EP. I'm going to jump first off to, do you have a name for it yet?
1: Yes, it's called Light Shines Above. Okay. Which is the title of one of the tracks on it.
0: How much of your own stuff have you recorded and put out before?
1: I put out one EP, which was in 2018. And then I've put out just a couple of tracks since then. And then before that, I had a couple of tracks early on on SoundCloud, which are now deleted from the public domain.
0: How has the current material changed from what you put out in 2018?
1: I think it's hopefully reflecting just being more comfortable, me being more comfortable with myself and with the music. So I think at the start I wanted a lot of layers, a lot going on, kind of to mask my voice to an extent, feeling sort of inadequate as a singer. But I think as I've grown, I've been happier to have that take up more space in the music.
0: What kind of support have you received from your contemporaries to put your own voice out there?
1: Yeah, it's um, just encouragement from friends mostly. I guess a lot of my friends are musicians, um, but I feel like I haven't really got my music out to a whole lot of strangers that I know of yet. You know, hopefully that'll come. But yeah, at this stage, it just means a lot to have friends who I respect their musicianship be into the music.
0: Where was the EP recorded?
1: Uh, It was recorded all by me. Mm -hmm. Um, Me and a friend share a studio at the piano. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have it timetabled out. There's like there's four of us that share it actually. So we will have sort of a couple of days a week each. Mm-hmm. It's mostly a space that we use for teaching, music mm-hmm. teaching. Um but my flatmate Struan Finlay, he he mixed and and produced, helped produce a couple of the tracks as well.
0: Uh Struan I seem to recall uh, some faux eighties band supporting Jed <laughs> Parsons.
1: You are correct. Yeah, Sunset Synth, RIP they, Yeah.
0: And amazing!
1: And I, I amazing. never, yeah, I didn't know those guys at that stage, and I'm really sad that I never saw them live because I've I've heard the recordings and I love
0: it. So, what's the plan um, in terms of promotion for the EP aside from doing radio interviews in Christchurch and and things like
1: that? Yeah, so I've got a a wee tour on the horizon. Uh, I'm playing a couple of shows up in Auckland at the start of April, and then I'm doing a wee South Island tour with the band Your Indigo. I'm not sure if you know them. It's it's yeah, it's a Matty Josh Holmes, and Bryony. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be playing in Oamaru, Dunedin, Blenheim, and hopefully Nelson as well. So that'll be in early May.
0: So what does your live show look like? What do you do playing live, apart from sing?
1: Yeah, I sing and play bass. Okay.
0: And who's um, who's supporting you?
1: My main drummer is a guy called Matt Andrews. Tom Harris plays the keys. He's He's been playing with me for a long time.
0: And a former Suzuki student as well.
1: Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, the band's kind of changed lineups and changed instrumentation over the past couple of years, I guess. Is there guitar? Uh, there has been a little bit of guitar in the past, but no, nah, it's more keys. My, my music's more piano-focused at the moment.
0: Funnily enough, with keys, bass, and drums, it feels very much like a jazz setup.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Um, although I guess a lot of the time the keys are quite synthesized or quite um, ambient. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of quite ambient, um, sort of woozy synth pads and stuff. Yeah. And Tom Harris is really a master of all that stuff, so I'm lucky to have him because he's all about making patches and playing around with pedals and all that sort of stuff, so he kind of slots right in.
0: Fantastic. Uh, obviously, we'd like to hear something off the uh, the EP. You've got a single that's been released recently?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I released that maybe three weeks ago with a music video. And that's called? Called Don't Forget.
0: What is the song about? I'm surely not about not forgetting.
1: Yeah, not exactly. It's kind of me remembering your time, like in twenty thirteen, which was kind of formative year. Like I had just finished study, I just went flatting for the first time, and it's sort of remembering all the highlights of that year, all the all the social um, events that I had. Like I'd been just quite insular when I was studying, and suddenly I just met all these different groups of great people, and so it's kind of I feel like the song is a distillation of remembering that year. For all the good times but kind of not pining for for the past you know you have to move forward and keep keep on tracking with your life and developing and growing
0: This is the Garden of Sound interview with Chris William on Plains FM 96.9. We've just heard, don't forget, remember, don't forget. It's brilliant. Thank you. It's super, super cool. Um, I can draw many comparisons, but shan't. We'll leave that just (laughs) glowing in our um, past midst. Um, We talked about sort of heading out uh, with groups like Your Indigo and getting out with uh, friends and all of that kind of thing. Uh, Is it just New Zealand? Do we want to get overseas? Have we got any sort of plans for Just New Zealand
1: at this point. I mean, it's totally a dream to be in a place where I I could play overseas.
0: Does anyone want to be on a label or get signed anymore or are we all too wary or just just, does it not happen?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It seems like there are so many different opinions on that and I guess it's so specific to what the label is what is the offering what level you're at and all that kind of stuff i kind of feel like the general thing that i've heard is stay independent and have control until you can no longer do it or something i don't know i don't know know how that stuff works
0: outside of uh the brilliant music which you've created and getting out and, and playing what else would you see as vitally important to support and progress your career. Something, something in the social realm. Do you need to do videos? Do you need to? Oh, like get into social magazines? media stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't, I don't really know. I guess, I guess I'd like to, to believe that if you make if you make good music, eventually you'll find your audience. But I guess
0: is that naive.
1: Yeah, I think it's naive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I think the more that I release music, or just the older they get and you see other people and their careers progress, I think it it becomes apparent that like marketing and all that stuff is really key.
0: Tell me about the festival circuit and so on. How is that oh, sort of...
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I wish I knew more about it on a, on a personal level. I mean, I, I love going to them and I've played at a couple of small ones. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a mystery to me of, of how to kind of get on that circuit performing kn- at those
0: festivals. You know enough people though. I'm sure they've all sort of talked about their experiences is it is it a repertoire question is it being a little tenacious perhaps yeah
1: i'd say it's probably a combination of of lots of factors i think definitely being tenacious and backing yourself is super important which i guess is difficult as a kiwi or it doesn't come naturally you know the whole being comfortable or trying to get comfortable marketing yourself
0: asking the question yeah and preparing how much rejection have you had in your life
1: Oh well, well in terms of in terms of marketing, like,
0: or just generally.
1: Oh, I'd say a fair amount. I'd, yeah, I'd say like writing your own music, you have to you get a pretty stand pretty fast. Otherwise, you just give up. You know, just whether it's releasing a new single and sending out emails or whatever, yes. talking to the radio stations, whatever. So, who
0: are you doing it for? Are you doing it for for Chris William or are you doing it for the general public?
1: Uh, I guess it's probably a selfish pursuit. Uh, at the core of it like I'm doing it because I enjoy doing it and because I feel like it's it's a challenge and it's some sort of therapy I guess Um, it's it's helpful it it helps you work through stuff I guess
0: you got to this point so people are obviously digging it
1: yeah I mean I'd love to to do more you know it's just like doing what you can and you know with, with all the resources you've got I'm lucky to have a friend Gina Johns helping me out with some admin side of things Um, for this next release and for touring well you know just for this tour that i'm doing and having someone else to help out with that side of things is really helpful like i don't mind doing a lot of the stuff but there's some things like you know emailing venues or kind of the stuff that's really (laughs) putting yourself on the on the line i guess for rejection it's really nice to just have a little bit of distance and be like hey can you please just suss all that and i'll just not
0: i'll just do the music yeah um Do you have any designs on uh, any producers potentially around the world, somebody that you'd absolutely love to work
1: with? Someone that comes to mind is this guy called Dev Hines or Blood Orange. Uh, He's, I think he's from London, but I think he's based in New York now. He's sort of this awesome, I'd used to call him alternative R&B artist. He makes quite eclectic, kind of out there R&B type music. Um, But he just he's always interesting. He's never cliche. And from what I've read about him, his writing process is really collaborative. And it just feels like he'd be someone that would be really fun to get in a room with and just be creative.
0: And a very cool name too.
1: Blood Orange. Absolutely. Yeah. Very um,
0: cool. We've reached the end of the interview. And oh, at this wow. point we have um, another track that we'd uh, like to hear. Um, would it be possible to hear something else off the new EP?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll play one of my favorite tracks off it. It's called Only Way. And this one is a little bit more sparse and maybe acoustic in the sound. Um, I kind of wrote it thinking of two of my favorites, Sophie and Stevens, who's quite folk-based, and Thundercat, who's quite um, bass guitar-based. And so it's kind of got me playing lots of chordal, almost folky-type stuff on the bass. And then the surrounding instruments are... Mm a lot more acoustically than on the other tracks too
0: it's fantastic thank you so much for coming on the show chris thanks for having me
3: The water and changes ripples into gold. Who soars above us and calls the mist beyond to fall? And who lies beside us? Daylight on the dawn It is time to drop the past in the water It's time to cut the line and let it go It's a lonely road without the comfort The still of the night we to
0: So as not to offend Queen fans out there, those who especially adore the work of John Deacon, here's his second best-known track off A Night at the Opera. This is You're My Best Friend. my track of the week, Littleton local Kate Owen has been doing great things for a while now and she's just released her debut album called Not a Proper Girl. She's going to hit Christchurch on the 3rd of April with dates in Wellington this month and Auckland next month and this is one of my faves off the new album Hungry Ghost. <laughs>
4: light is on baby you're not home you say it's all right but I know it's all wrong getting real high falling down low feeding the ghost driving too fast breathing too slow feeding the ghost so hold me under the water now not breathing way anyway. Go on and hold me under the water now. You always said it would be this way. Hey, um. hunger drowns the desperate. Clown and ghost blood weeps on to angels' feet. Hunger drowns the desperate clown while his child cries alone. He just wants to feel home. But all you see is dark You say this will pass Can't break an already broken heart Pushing too far
0: Thanks for being here today. My guest was Chris William. Head along to gardenofsound.nz and click on Chris's picture on the front page to check out a bespoke Spotify playlist of all the songs and artists we talked about today. And there's a link through to his social media as well to find out more about the new EP and his upcoming gig at Space Academy with the Swan Sisters and Ryan Fisherman. Alright, that's all for Garden of Sound, sponsored by the Nephilist alcohol free drinks that stir you. You can find out more at thenepholist.com. Love to have you back next Friday. In the meantime, keep well, keep listening, and keep playing. Hi, Ada.